When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of nerves whenever you're playing any game. Um, but for me, I- I'm enjoying it. Um, the best thing about this team is that we have fun uh, no matter what the stage is, no matter where we're playing. And I think having that, that mentality is let, let us play loose, let us go out there and just be who we are. And uh, I'm just going to treat it like any other game week and uh, get there and try to just go out there and have fun. You know what? Same, Patrick Mahomes. Same. I'm just going to, on Sunday, I'm just going to try to have fun. Just, you know, go out there and eat the chicken wings that I plan on making and maybe some pizza and just try to have some fun because I'll be here and watching the game and nothing else. Myron Metcalf on the show today with me for the first hour. Second hour, we'll have Andrew Kramer and also uh, my favorite dude who is from England, Peter Carline, mm. who has the most English name of all time. That is very English. He is in Miami, writes for the Daily Mail, and is a Vikings fan, so he's always fun to catch up with. So we'll do that later. Um, but we've got a lot of fun things to get to. Myron, I've talked enough with all of our former football players and yeah. such about every X's and O's part of this game. What they say? Did they say the defense wins championships? They said that... the fullback is the key. Okay. Yep. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk. He's okay. going to do it. Yeah. Uh, no. You, you know, I have you got to stick fun, to the game plan, too, though. I had a lot of fun conversations. You do. You do. You don't have don't to, abandon uh, the game plan. The rise and grind. Even when uh, it gets establish tough. the run. You've got to gotta establish the run. Um, stick I, to your principles. Luckily, I don't have former player co-hosts okay. who say that they should only stick to the run. Okay. Um, but I'm tired of yeah. all the, like, how's this going to play out? We've been doing it for two weeks. And now I'm ready to just have some fun on this Friday with you, Myron, and talk about some of the ancillary things, like the halftime show and what, whatever Tom Brady is trying to do with his Instagram and a, a number of other things. But as I was driving in, including the PETA ad, which, uh, I don't know, yeah, that's, that's, Peter should have called somebody. They should have just never leaked it. Else. Like, they should yeah. just not put it out. They should have said, no, we tried to use a Kaepernick thing, and they wouldn't let us. We're yeah. victimized, but we're not going to show it to sometimes you. Sometimes you can be a little too woke. I mean, sometimes you got to just... When you got you fish know, kneeling. Yeah, it's a little... You've gone too far. <laughs> the black de- delegation would like to say, we don't need that. How about that? I'll speak for us all to say that. that that's not... It is like None those, of us approve that, so I don't know where you got your... Your green stamp from, but it wasn't from us. So. It's like those signs that you know if you if you're here, you've gone too far. Yeah. Turn around, go back. Just, like if you're trying to make a snake kneel, just, you've gone too far. Trying to not, go back, and yeah. if you're comparing the struggle of Black Americans yeah, just, to weird. fish, 
Yeah, we're we're gonna try no, to yeah, it's no, not no. We're gonna try to enjoy the game like everybody else. And that, it that, seems that actually like, wasn't necessary. I'll say that it wasn't wasn't necessary. Seems to me like they tried to do something so ridiculous. Yes, that there's no way anyone would approve it. Cool. And, yeah, and, and then they could put it out and be like, "See, exactly. we're the victims." Now exactly. watch what they this. Did. Fish life matters. Yes, you know, God, it, uh. it, it's hard to get people on both sides of the Kaepernick situation to agree that this is terrible. <laughs> And they yes. achieved that. Yes. Everybody's like, no, we don't want any part of that. Yes, but yep. it is trippy as hell if you come across it on Twitter. Um, I thought it was maybe going somewhere. And the best part is that the, all the animals are kneeling, and it starts with a bee. Yeah. And so there's like the bee's knees, bee kneeling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. It was a terrible, lots terrible of execution. Things. But yeah, yeah it's... And we'll just, laugh at it. Let's not compare animals to people. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so lots going on, including I was driving in and I heard Rami and Manny and whoever else was on, I think Wetmore, was th- we're talking about um, the 17-game season. Yeah. And at the Super Bowl, one of the things that all the big-name reporters do is they try to pick up on as much intel about what's going to happen this offseason and in CBA negotiations and things like that. And Ian Rappaport, we have this, Jonathan, Ian Rappaport talked about the potential for a 17-game season and some of the discussions about it. Interesting discussion you guys are having about the potential 17-game season. From what I understand, this latest negotiation, where they are right now, there's a couple important factors. One, it does not sound like a neutral site game would be in this version of a 17-game season. This is something that several owners were pushing. I know Mark Murphy from the Packers was big time in favor of this. There were plenty of others, but it just doesn't sound like that's the way this would go for whenever they begin the process of uh, adding a 17 game, if that is in fact what happens, it'd probably be uh, the AFC getting more home games one year, the NFC getting more home home games another year. They'd be more alternating than it would be go to a neutral site game. The other thing is, from what I understand where negotiations stand right now, uh, the 17 game would not kick in until after the TV contracts are renegotiated. That likely means it would not happen until the 2022 season or maybe the 2021 season. Either way, there'll be nothing immediate as far as adding a 17th game. Well, Myron, uh, this feels inevitable, doesn't it? That we're going to have 17 NFL games, and whether you like it or not, it won't matter. And the statistics and records and all those things, they're not going to care about those. And even if the 16-game season is perfect, it's just not going to matter, and no one will stop watching football if it's a 17th game instead of a 16th game. Just like with Thursday night football, where we all agree, you guys might just want to relax on that because yeah. there's no way to heal your body from Sunday to Thursday, and you're out there killing people, and they're like, no, nah, you, you know, whatever, you'll watch. And yeah. everyone does. So I feel the same way about the 17-game season. I don't like it, but I don't think it's going to matter whether I like it or not. Well, here's my one of my thoughts on it is... I believe the Baltimore Ravens starters, like the key guys, Lamar Jackson, a bunch of other guys, did not play for 22 days. Uh, there was a 22-day gap between their last game, uh, week 16, and their first game in the divisional round. So for me, there's the potential, a team in that position with 17 games, maybe you're out for a month. I mean, that, to me, like the idea of that is is a bit mind-boggling. I, I don't know... I guess I don't know if this is inevitable because it feels like a bargaining chip more than anything. The players are going to say, okay, you want us to put our bodies on the line for a 17th regular season game? Sure. Where's our guaranteed money? Yeah. Yep. Where Where are you going to make sure that 
I can go into that season knowing there's even more uh, of a strain on my body, mm-hmm. but I'm going to get some guaranteed cash to go with it. That's why I feel like we are going to see at least a temporary lockout at some point because I believe the players' union is really talking tough, and I feel like they are describing the upcoming negotiations as something that could shape the future of football and that if they don't dig their heels into the ground now, they'll come to regret it. Now, it's not the NBA. Guys don't have the money to hold out for two years. I mean, I've heard some of that talk nonsense, but I certainly think that this is going to be one of those situations where uh, there will be contention between the union and ownership. Ownership will probably get what they want, but I just wonder, Kyle, what they're going to have to give up in order to make guys put a 17th game on the schedule. I don't see how you could do it without saying a higher percentage of guaranteed money will have to exist, or maybe a floor for guaranteed money. So it has to be at least 50% guaranteed. Because right now, I had an agent explain to me how some of these contracts work, and you'll see they got this much with this much guaranteed. And you'll think, oh, okay, well, I mean, that's not too bad. Let's say yeah. they got 50 mil and 25 is guaranteed. I mean, this guy's going to be doing pretty well even if uh, things go wrong. But oftentimes, it's only guaranteed for injury, like with yes. Alex Smith's injury. So it's not guaranteed if they want to cut you at some yeah. point because they just don't like you anymore. And there's also usually things written into these contracts where they can void your guarantees. Yep. So it doesn't even matter if it's for injury. And I'll give you an example of that. Stefan Diggs skipped two days of practice mm-hmm. in week four. And of course, we all flipped out, thought he was going to get traded. Um, but the team... I don't believe they did this, but they could have because of the language in his contract said, we're voiding your guarantees now so we can just cut you and have zero money that we have to pay you. And they probably would still take a cap hit like a dead cap money, but they wouldn't actually have to give him any cash. I mean, to have that amount of power for most of that guaranteed money, it's only usually the signing bonuses that are really, truly guaranteed money to you unless you're Kirk Cousins. And that's another conversation, too, is that the quarterbacks are doing extremely well. Oh, they're in, a good, they're in a good situation. Everybody else is not really. <laughs> yeah. And even the running backs, someone like Delvin Cook is probably looking at this going, wait, you guys are saying I'm not worth anything, even though I was like the best player in the league. And, and running backs can't get paid yeah. either, can't get guaranteed money. And Le'Veon Bell sits out a year and still doesn't come back and get a good contract. So I would guess that's where it has to begin. And then they have to figure out, how they're going to justify this in the long term with player injuries. Yep. So does everybody now sign a waiver that says, I will not have a group lawsuit like later down the, the line? Because if you're adding games and you're making the sport more dangerous that yeah. way, then you can't be like, well, we fixed onside kicks, though. Exactly. And and that's the thing. I mean, that's the challenge is like, I don't know how you sell that. Mm-hmm. Now, to your point earlier, the general public is going to eat it up one way or the other. But you're going to try to get these guys to put even more on their bodies. And here's my thing, Collar, too, with 17 games. Let's say you got a guy who, all right, he's out for three weeks with an ankle sprain. Okay, I got 17 games now. I'm going to push that to five weeks because I mm-hmm. want to make sure this guy has the proper time yep. to heal up. So now you've got guys missing significant chunks of the season trying to balance things against a 17-game schedule. I don't. I don't know in terms of the product how this enhances it, and that to me is is going to be the issue. Is does this make football better? I, I don't necessarily think it does, and I think the playoffs could be really, really weird in terms of how people treat week sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen 
Again, the Ravens missed 22 games. Lamar Jackson didn't play for 22 days. And he comes out and they lose to the Titans. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people thought, hey, that layoff probably didn't help a young quarterback. What if Lamar Jackson's out for a month, like a full month? Because you've got that 17 game that maybe doesn't mean anything. But I, I think the owners will get what they want because I don't think the players can stop getting paid in a lockout mm-hmm. long enough to make it really hurt. I mean, I think the owners will say, fine. You want to start a season October 1st? We don't care. We're going to do that if it means getting that extra revenue, which I believe is hundreds of millions of dollars attached to a 17th game league-wide. I just don't know how you sell the idea of we are being more conscious about player safety, player health, concussions. I mean, look at all the guys who've retired in the last three to five years under the age of 30 Mm -hmm. saying, I just couldn't take it anymore. Yep. And now you want to add another game to that? Colin, what's the what's the pitch to the people who do care about that stuff? Not average Joe and Jane, the fans who are going to watch regardless, but the people that you've got to answer to, how do you sell that? The only way to sell it is, well, we're going to pay them more for their services. <laughs> right? Guaranteed, I mean, right? Yeah, if you're talking about making hundreds of millions of dollars more, well, it all the salary cap is created by the amount of money that the owners are making, and then yeah. X percentage goes to the players. I think it's a 50-50 split or very close to it. Yeah. So you have each team with a $200 million salary cap, let's say right now. I don't know exactly what it is. And if this happens, you're adding hundreds of millions of dollars to your revenue. So then that salary cap is going to go up to $250 million each. And then that means teams are forced to pay somebody. And this is really threw off the NBA when this happened, where you started seeing mediocre players getting $15, $20 million contracts. Tim Hardaway Jr., $50 million. Who? Yeah, Yeah. right. I mean, there's a Tim Hardaway Jr.? Yeah, Uh, Well, that makes me feel old. but You um, are. We are. Yeah. Uh, So you end up with all these, you ended up seeing the NBA get really thrown off for a little while there because teams had to spend the money just to make up to be able to get uh, to the salary floor. And you'd probably see that with the NFL, too, where I don't know if they have a salary floor, but just that certain teams, it actually might widen the gap for certain teams that don't want to spend as much money and teams that want to spend more money and things like that. But that would be the only justification that you would have to the players is, and to people who care about the long-term health of people who play this game, is, well, they know the risks now and we're going to compensate them by a lot more. But I think that that is the elephant in the room. Yeah. Would be, if you're the Players Association, you want all your guys to make more money. But at some point, when Patrick Mahomes is going to make, what, 300 mil or yeah, something, something like that? Crazy. When, when we have pushed the bar up so much, even nickel corners can earn $10 million a year, like Justin Coleman from the Detroit Lions. So a lot of yeah. people are making a lot of money. Where you're going to say, you know what, guys? Maybe I might rather just have a little less guaranteed money and try to protect my body a little more, it's possible that they run into that, and that ends up being a brick wall that they can't get through. But I still feel like the players are going to say, well, if you make the playoffs, you play 17 anyway, so whatever. Yeah. Let's, let's go for it. Because they're going to have to. With the money, they have to. But without the money, I think you got to... You, what they're going to have to measure is how long can you fight? Like, how long can the players' union negotiate with ownership? Owner has made it, Owners have made it clear. We want the additional revenue from that extra game. Yep, It's pretty simple. Players saying, we want more money, but how long are you willing to wait that thing out? And who's going to crack first? It'll certainly be the players. And that's the problem with the NFL. In the NBA, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden say, look, man, 
We are not happy with the current structure of our contracts. We are out, NBA, until you guys fix this. The NBA is going to do everything in its power yep. to meet those needs because those guys can shut the league down. Even marquee quarterbacks can't shut the NFL down. No. You know? Yeah, Chiefs fans probably not as many show up if Matt Moore is quarterback. Not as many maybe watch on TV. But it doesn't shut the entire operation down. So that's why I think you're going to have a lot of these NFL guys who've been watching a bunch of guys in the NBA get $40 million a year, $30 million a year, and they want a piece of that pie. And it's crazy. You're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. And I think they can talk that way, but being at the negotiating table, knowing you're not getting paid because the season hasn't started, that to me is going to be the thing that makes guys go, okay, we'll give them the 17 games, and then we'll just have to almost accept uh, whatever comes with that. Did I, did I hear them say something about with the 17th game, possibly a neutral site? Yeah, that was thrown out there, but Ian Rappaport said it's probably not the way it's going to go. Because that's going to, the balance of the schedule will be very interesting, you know, in terms of who that extra game is against. I mean, that could, that could change everything. Look at what happened in the NFC playoff picture, where if Seattle beats the 49ers, the 49ers end up traveling across the country to play the Eagles, and then they got to go play the Green Bay Packers on the road. Instead, they end up hosting two games, and now they're in the Super Bowl. Like, that 17th game can change a lot of things uh, in the playoff picture as well. I feel like it's coming, but I just, I just don't know how you justify everything attached to it, especially in an era where 28-year-old dudes, 29-year-old dudes are saying, man, I can't do this. If I want to have a good life, I've got to leave now while my body's still intact uh, because it's just not worth it beyond that. And now you want those guys to play an extra game? It, I want to see the the PR spin from the NFL on this proposal. Yeah, I do too. Now, from a liker of football perspective, so if you're just talking about it as... A liker of football, I like that phrase. Enjoyer of sport could also be the way you look at it. But, you know, you just... connoisseur. Hey, I enjoy the football, and... uh, You like that word, John? I think that... um, He's a writer. He's got a a wide vocabulary. Um, But 16 is perfect. And 100%. It's just the best. Why it's mess the best. with it? I know it's the best. Like I know you guys like you're doing this to make money. <laughs> of all the owners in all of sports, there are a lot of them. Like if you own the Carolina Hurricanes or something, you must love hockey or just love owning a team because <laughs> yeah. you ain't doing it to fill your pockets. <laughs> yeah. If you're a football owner, that could be your only job and you're going to earn oh, a good. lot of money from year to year. And I know you want more of that because everyone wants more money. But at some point I think you do have to say what we have here is really, really perfect. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. There are plenty of sports and things that we watch where you could say, well, the writing is on the wall a little bit for whatever, that it'll be a blip of popularity. Or we could say something like the WNBA or MLS, they're going to grow and more people are going to pay attention to them. With the NFL, year after year after year after year, for what now? Are we like four decades? This has been yeah. about the, the head of all of sports. Yeah. It's not going to change. And it's been a 16 game model and it's worked and it's taken a lot of punches along the way, whether it was domestic violence or CTE or whatever it might be or the Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. situation. And yet here we are. And it's still going to get a hundred million people to watch this one game. Do you have to change it? No, no, you, you don't. But it, it, can you change it without adjusting the preseason? Because I would have to think you've got to go to either two or three games in the preseason. Yeah. And you already have the preseason being a joke for a lot of teams in terms of 
just not wanting to put key guys in. You won't see any of those guys, potentially. Mm-hmm. Because if I've got to yep. play 17 games, now that guy that I was going to send in for a half, that quarterback, Russell Wilson's going to play a half in you know, game three or game two or whatever. I'm not. You're not going to see him to the season. Yeah, that's not happening. You anymore. know, so yep. that to me is an adjustment as well because those preseason games make TV money and they make money at the stadiums. They make money for owners, so that matters. But now you're going to see even fewer guys, I think, uh, who are really going to make the roster participate in the preseason because now you have to be really concerned about them lasting 17 games. So unless you dramatically reduce the post the preseason, I don't know how you pull this off because you certainly can't play four preseason games. And I don't see how you can play three, Kyle, because to me, that's 20 games. The players union, I'm going, wait a minute, man. My guy has to fight. Forget the Russell Wilsons and those guys. The other guys you're you're representing as well, my guy has to fight to get on the roster, to hold on to a spot, and he has to play in those three games, those four games, and then you want him to add a 17th game? How how are you looking out for his well-being in that situation? I would say from the fan perspective – it people would be thrilled to not have those preseason games, though. I I, mean, I agree, but it, if you have them, the one thing you can look to is okay. I'm going to see a little bit of Russell Wilson. I'm going to see a little bit of that first team offense in Minnesota. A, a, a glimpse of it. You'll get none of that now. With 17 games, you're not getting any of that. I don't think in the preseason. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And so what you end up with is two or three preseason games that are even worse than they are now that are basically yes. <laughs> like the fourth preseason game over and over yes. again. Um, but you get fewer. So if you're a season ticket holder, you're like, oh, this is kind of great because I don't have to pay for four games that don't matter anymore. And at the same time, what I do like about preseason is that all your season ticket holders sell their tickets to people who generally maybe can't afford a hundred dollar yeah. ticket per game. Yep. And you can sit down in the in the hundred level for twenty bucks or something yep. and take your kids. That's really the only thing that is remaining that's good about the preseason. And I would also say too. Like having covered now, I don't know how many preseasons. It just those games just don't matter. Yeah. People can go out there who are fourth stringers and shred. We saw this from Kyle Sloter. It was the biggest fight of last year. I was trying to tell people he's not making the team. They're like, no, but he threw another touchdown in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah. He's not making the team. Like day after day after day in practice, that's where they evaluate it. The games don't even matter to the coaches. Yep. Much less do they matter to the players who will basically tell each other, like, look, I'm not doing any moves. Let's just go ahead and make yeah. sure we don't hurt each other or whatever, you know, just have a good time. Uh, and so you're getting kind of an, a, a, a Pro Bowl four times with the um, with the preseason. So I, if they were to eliminate two preseason games to add one regular season game, you might sign off on that if you're the players. Maybe if they also eliminated joint practices, which every player I've ever talked to off the record hates those more than anything. They feel like they're another preseason game that they have to play. Yeah. So if you ab- abolish those and eliminated two preseason games, because you you know at least the third preseason game is where the starters have to play a lot more, maybe the total cumulative effect would not be as much as we think for adding that one extra game. I will say with joint practices, my favorite one of all time is when Brock Lesnar tried out for the Vikings and just started <laughs> beating people up with the Kansas City Chiefs, right? He just was like, yeah. I'm not making the team, but I'm definitely going to beat somebody up. <laughs> and that to me was like, how, that's what joint practices should be about. Yeah. You know, yep. uh, if you're going to do them. No, I, I they're going to have to make adjustments. We see in baseball guys on pitch counts, right? You know, I just think the idea of preserving a talent 
through 17 games, it just changes a lot of things because now it's an 18-week schedule. Is it still one bye? Because to mm. me, you're extending this thing. Yeah, that's right. You know, an additional week, does that change how we view it? Let's say you don't get another bye. If you are, you know, if you're the San Francisco 49ers, is there a week in there where you go, Nick Bosa, Jimmy G, all you, you know what? This is the game that we can win against the Detroit Lions. Everybody's sitting. And all these fans have come to see Jimmy G, but we got to think of 17 games. Right. And we got to yeah. make sure these guys are good to go and they're fresh. Like, are we going to see load, load management in the NFL as you extend the schedule? Because that, to me, is a real thing that you could be looking at. How do guys preserve their teams over the course of 17 games when nobody knows how to do it over 16 right, games? Yeah, a second bye, and now we're getting so far down the road into how do we negotiate all these things and how long is the season going to go? And, I mean, are you going to... If you put in a second bye, would you cut down the difference between the final week in the championships and the Super Bowl to only one week to still yes. make it work? And now I'm confused. Exactly. And I don't know how they're going to work this out in order to make it happen. So I come down to I don't really want it to happen. Yeah. Is there a way that you guys can make some more money somehow in this world? I don't know. These owners would just somehow could you possibly make a little more money? To appease them, yeah. to, to make it so they're not going to do this. Fifth quarters. That's what you do. <laughs> That's safer. simple. That's definitely Fifth safer. Fifth quarter. Well, safer for everybody. What would be the, you know how baseball made the, uh, in, in order to cut down games time, they made the intentional walk, so you just say, go to first base, yeah. as if that was the problem. That was like what was really yeah. slowing down games is the intentional walk. What would be the equivalent here is like not doing kickoffs or something? Something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't love it, but I feel like it's coming. Uh, Myra Metcalf, Matthew Collar on Purple Daily. We're going to quick run through a couple of things when we come back that are just sort of happening. Tom Brady with a very weird photograph that he posted a- and then won't explain uh, why he posted it. And I saw on your website, like, think about My this. website like I own it? Your website, ESPN.com, has this as a headline. Could Tom Brady's cryptic tweet have been a tribute to Kobe Bryant? Like, is that like a like a SEO thing? <laughs> you, know, you know, like a search engine optimization? Like, what can Read we, that again. Can we fit say? Kobe's name in this? I don't. It, I, could Tom Brady's cryptic tweet have been a tribute to Kobe Bryant? Here's my thing. Why should it be cryptic in the first place? Can you just tell us what it means? Yeah, or just not do it. And if it's a tribute to Kobe Bryant, wouldn't he say it's a tribute to Kobe Bryant? I don't know. And why Super Bowl weekend? Like, why, Tom? Why can't you just not get involved for once? Do you think that T- uh, Tom Brady has become more like annoying? E- yes. egomaniac and annoying yes. over the last like four 100, years? 100%. I mean, I don't know. Like, when Peyton Manning retired, you thought, okay, man has got all these endorsements and business ventures, and he's really good on TV, and he's kind of done that, kind of bounced around, not locked himself into one thing. What does Tom Brady do? Like, Tom Brady, I'm sure, has all those things, but he is football to death. And I don't know that he's a guy that has a game plan beyond football because he's just so obsessed with the sport. Yeah, yeah, you you could be right. And doing something like this to... Just draw attention to Tom Brady. It's almost like, oh, are you jealous that you're not in the Super Bowl this Basically. Time? Is that what this is about? Basically. That could be it, too. Yeah. I don't think it's a message of whether he's coming back or staying. He's coming back, and he's going to play somewhere else because he's that guy. 
He's you are he's not Willie Mays. He's going to play or, for the or Mets. He's Brett Favre. He's just yeah, not right. going to let you dictate the terms of his retirement. Yep. Those guys can't be changed, man. Super annoying. Even like whatever rift to some extent between him and Bill Belichick over his trainer has to be there, even though that guy seems like a little, yeah. if not super mega shady. And, you know, little things like that that have been going on between them that they won anyway because they were so good and the Patriots cheat all the time. But you still go, what? Like, what is going on here? Like, why do they have to, why does Brady have to bring drama? This yeah. week, you know what I mean? Yeah, the most refreshing component of this Super Bowl is that the Patriots might be going away. Yes. And that finally there's a new era uh, on its way. Which leads us perfectly to something I want to discuss with you, which is who are we going to be talking about in this game next year? Let's talk about that when we come back. ESPN's Myron Metcalf, Matthew Collar, here you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, you can join Team Mackey and Score North at this year's Big Climb Minneapolis on Saturday, February 15th, over at the Capella Tower as we raise money to fight blood cancer. Donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey when you register to climb. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword climb. Stefan Diggs was one of the many NFL players out at Media Row the past couple days. He's talking about the growth he saw in his quarterback, Kirk Cousins, from the first year to the second year, saying? It was just that second that second year, especially feeling more comfortable. You know, that first year, you try to figure it out. You're trying to play well, but uh, that second year, he took a, took those extra steps. He became the leader of our team, and um, he, led us, he led us to the playoffs. You know, we fell short, of course, of our goal, but he played some great football at, at some crucial times, and I think it should be, you know, credit. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. I don't know if the mic was on for me to say that or not. Uh, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's uh, Myron Metcalf. And uh, we just won't even address what was going on off the air, and we'll just move forward. And I will ask you a very football question so we can stop laughing about what you were talking about. So um, who's playing in the Super Bowl next year, Myron? I don't know, man. I mean, I guess I have questions about how real are the Ravens. I mean, it feels like. That's a team that could do what the Chiefs have done. They strike out when it feels like it's inevitable. Yep. And then they, they're back next year. But I feel like you're still going to have to go through the Chiefs. I, I'm happy to see Chiefs Ravens. I think that's going to be a thing, uh, that will build the NFL around for a long time. The NFC just seems like anything's possible outside the NFC North. Like that, the NFC North still feels like, Whoever's on top, probably Vikings, Packers, playoff teams, potentially not necessarily capable of winning anything. But if Drew Brees comes back, the Saints are going to be right there again. Uh, the 49ers bring back a lot of these pieces, and they weren't even healthy this year. They're going to have a good chance. The Seahawks did it on such a, a shoestring budget this year. It was Russell Wilson and some dudes. Yep, They get better, even though they're going to lose Jadavian Clowney most likely. 
Um, so I just feel like, uh, you know, a lot could happen in the NFC, but I do think the Chiefs have a better chance of getting back here than the 49ers. It feels like we have a Manning-Brady type of situation with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is one of them. He's going to be back all the time, and I feel bad a little bit for Deshaun Watson because he should be in this category for talent, but his organization is bad, and they just gave more power to a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, (laughs) which is a classic NFL thing to do. Um, the Indianapolis Colts to me are a major wild card here because I think their organization yeah. right now is in a really strong spot. They have a very good coach. They have a very smart general manager. They have oodles of cap space to spend on whatever they like. And they have an opening at the quarterback position, which is usually a terrible thing that you hate. Uh, and this year it's not because you can get Philip Rivers or you can mm-hmm. get Teddy Bridgewater, which is where... I think Teddy Bridgewater ends up is either Tampa Bay or the Indianapolis Colts. If I'm Teddy, I'm going to the Colts. You look at that division, the Jaguars will be bad. Tennessee probably pays Ryan Tannehill way too much money and regresses and is just okay. They were nine and seven this year, okay? Not 14 and two. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's right. And then Houston, I would be fine with Houston playing in my division because Bill O'Brien is in charge. Yeah. Bill O'Brien is the college coach that goes to the Holiday Bowl three out of five years (laughs) and people love him and give him a contract extension every year. That's right. Yeah. It is a college like extension where you don't even have to really accomplish anything and yet you get an upgrade for like bad trades and player moves and your defense falls apart and yet hey the guy who was making the player moves he needs more power so the Colts are in a very prime position to take someone like Teddy Bridgewater or Phillip Rivers and become very very dangerous that still doesn't put them in the ballpark of the Kansas City Chiefs no who will continue to be this good I think as long as they have Mahomes they might dip sometimes here or there they'll deal with the cap thing that everybody has to deal with with quarterbacks but they're still going to be very good the the craziest prediction you could make is the Cleveland Browns that Kevin Stefanski takes the Cleveland Browns the Super Bowl? and he gets the most out of Baker Mayfield and the receivers start playing again and Beckham is healthy and happy somehow. Mm. Their defense has a lot of talent on it and they draft a left tackle or they sign a left tackle and they have a decent offensive line, yep. which was a thing that wasn't talked about because Freddie uh, Kitchens was such a dope. But their offensive line was really bad. They fix those things, and the AFC is just up for grabs. If you're not believing Winnable. in the Patriots coming back, the Dolphins are going to bring back Fitzpatrick, so you're pretty good there. The Jets are never going anywhere with Gase. The Bengals need a couple of years if Burrow even turns out. The other low-key team other than the Browns would be the Denver Broncos. Like, if Drew Locke is good. He went 4-1. If, if he's serious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he uh, obviously Vikings fans saw him and, and know, know what he's capable of. Yeah, I think... Those are certainly wild cards. I would say for all those teams, for any team that has that potential, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers makes you think there's a chance, right? Because does, yeah. you go, if you've got the right coach uh, and you develop the right quarterback and, and you put the right pieces in position, you got a chance to do what they just did. What were they, 4-12? and 12? And now they're here in the Super Bowl. And they don't look like a team that's here for one year. They look like a team that could be back for a, a while here and, and contend and be the team you have to go through to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC. So there's certainly an opportunity in that chance. But I also think the established quarterbacks that you've got to deal with, as much as we're talking about the future names, Breeze coming back, that Saints team is still something you got to reckon with. Uh, Russell Wilson really didn't have anyone around him. I mean, Russell Wilson's mm-hmm. seventh-round uh, running back, and Chris Carson, out. I mean, they're literally pulling guys off the street 
and they're one game away from taking a top seed, having home field advantage. So I, I just think the NFC there's there are there are more reasons to believe that that playoff picture could change entirely, considering the competition there. Whereas the AFC feels like Chiefs and the Ravens, and then we'll find the other four teams. I agree. Uh, yep. From there, Colts are interesting, like you said. The Browns. You know, let's see what the culture is, because I think that's the thing. Yeah. When you have a guy take out a helmet and hit an opposing player who doesn't have a helmet in the skull, right? That, to me, is not like a guy just losing his cool. That's an extension of just chaos in your organization and guys deciding that there's really nothing to play for, so they act like that. So I just think the Cleveland Brown stuff, it's so much bigger than play calling. It's it's dealing with guys who haven't won anything, but have an attitude of we're supposed to be on top. We'll prove it. So I don't know how Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, kind of reigns that. Yeah, reigns that in with this with this group. They got a young GM. GM. They got a young coach. Um, they couldn't do it with more veteran guys who hadn't proven as much. But you, those kinds of guys, it can work if you got a Kyle Shanahan or a Sean McVay. It can also blow up. If those guys aren't respected, that's my biggest question about Kevin Stefanski. What does he say in that locker room to make people go, "We trust this dude"? Right. A, a guy like a Beckham, who drove up Orange Bentley onto the field when he was first when first went to the team. Like, how do you get that guy to go? I'm with you, you know. And nobody's figured that out quite yet. No one. But he has put up huge numbers in the past, and what we saw from Kevin Stefanski here is he took a quarterback who had a very tough year in 2018, put him in a position to succeed with a lot of the same things that Kyle Shanahan has put Jimmy Garoppolo in a position to succeed. And Sean McVay has helped uh, Jared Goff become a very good quarterback for a couple of years there. And even they were 9-7 and this year, the Rams, with a team that completely deteriorated from when they were in the Super Bowl. I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if just doing things the smart and right way gets the attention of the veteran players that when you are Freddie kitchens and there are no rules and you're just, (laughs) you're not smart about how you're commanding an offense. There's a big difference between being a running back coach where you could be buddy, buddy with the players and you could be like their older uncle or whatever to then being in charge. Mm -hmm. And I do think the demeanor of Kevin Stefanski is much more professional, but also designing an entire offense. He knows what offense he's using. He knows how to bring it there. He knows how to teach it. And he knows how to put quarterbacks in situations where they can succeed. And don't forget, he was the quarterback coach for Case Keenum, too, when Keenum had his great year. And so if you're taking someone with Baker Mayfield's talent, which is probably somewhere in the ballpark of Kirk Cousins' talent, with maybe a little more baller mentality, and giving him weapons in the right positions to succeed, to make the throws that he's good at making, which I think is similar to Cousins in downfield, when that starts to succeed, we saw this even in the Vikings locker room this year and in training camp, the players in camp were like, yeah, this actually makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and they were trying not to take jabs, but it was almost impossible to be like, well, you know, it didn't always make sense, but now yeah. it does. Yeah. And I think that that brings a respect in itself rather than are you going to yell at people? Or are you going to you know, be demanding? And so, I, I think it's just being smart is what NFL players respect in 2020. I, I think it is. When you're winning, if you've got early success, that's easy to do. Um, but if if there are some holes in the ship, you know, then it's a whole different story. Yeah, because that's when those egos get the best of you. I think the Browns with Stefanski, if they're winning uh, and they feel like a new team, 
that they're going in the right direction, sure. You'll say all the things that these 49ers guys are saying about Kyle Shanahan. Yep. But if early on it's challenging, you'll hear some of the same buzz you heard about Pat Shermer in New York Mm -hmm. when it was clear early on that there just perhaps was a bad fit. Perhaps things were not going to work there. So I think Stefanski has to establish that really early uh, in, in his tenure. But even still, man, that's one of those teams that could start six and two and then lose three of their next five. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Beckham is on Instagram talking about, hey, I, I wonder what it's like in San Francisco or something. Because that that's the thing I don't know how you control. is a bunch of guys who will be all about themselves the minute there is some adversity. So the way that I would categorize the Browns is in the complete wild card, but you could totally see it category. And, you know, once upon a time, the Saints were one of the biggest laughing stocks in football, and then all of a sudden it changed. And usually it changes around the quarterback position. Yeah. So we'll see with that. But they're they're under the wild cards of, you know, you could kind of see it because if Ben comes back and the Steelers aren't great and he's sort of washed and the Bengals will be terrible, we're going to get a little regression from the Ravens. People don't go 14-2 and two year after year. No. So you go maybe 12-4, and four, and the Browns actually beat the Ravens for one of those two losses. You could see it with just the way the shape of the AFC is that there's so few contenders behind the top two teams that them and the Denver Broncos are kind of wild cards. And I'd be really fascinated to know what John Gruden thinks about Derek Carr because I would guess he wants a way out of that. Who's playing quarterback in so many situations sort of shapes this, right? I mean, I don't even know if Derek Carr is playing there. I don't know who's playing. I don't even know who's playing quarterback for the Bears necessarily. Like There are a number of teams. And Tampa Bay, in my mind, is a team that has had enough bad seasons, like the 49ers, to build up draft pick after draft pick after draft pick and then finally put the right person in, maybe Teddy, and have a really good shot because I don't think the Falcons are ever bouncing back. The Panthers have a long way to go. And Breeze has this feeling. He had a quote where he said today that he would be okay with splitting snaps with Taysom Hill. I thought, just leave then. Just, just, just go quit. Like, if you can't throw yeah. the ball far enough down the field, you got to have somebody else do it for you. You need to stop playing football. So that has that feeling of like, oh, all of a sudden the Saints were 8-8 eight and eight because you know just Breeze came back, True. but he wasn't ready or he didn't have time for it anymore um, and was just kind of shot. So the Bucks are are a wild card to watch. I wonder if uh, what you if you were going to rank NFC teams right now for their chances to get into the Super Bowl next year, where do you put the Vikings? Oh man, that's a really fascinating question. Um, they're still somewhere around. I did it again. No, sorry. I just, usually, I say that's why I have the show. And oh. like, when you said it's a fascinating question, like yeah, that's why they gave. Oh, okay. anyway, yeah. sorry. You want to do it again? Just, yeah, no, ahead. do it again. No, don't start. Say what you just said. Then we'll do it over. What? what? We'll do the, we'll do the bit over. Do oh, okay. It. No, yeah, all right. So of all yeah. the teams uh, in the NFC, where would you rank the Vikings for their chances to reach the Super Bowl? Oh man, that's a really fascinating question, Collar. That's why they gave me the show, Myron. All right, that's good. Yeah, that's right. That was good. Okay, go on. Was what, it, what was your answer? Better than I expected. Uh, <laughs> I hope the people are laughing. Feels good. It, 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 it sounded great. I would say somewhere six, seven ish, right? I mean, I have to start from the top. I, I still say the Forty ers because that defense is going to be good again next year. Uh, even if, say, Richard Sherman, they win one Sunday and he's like, I'm retiring or, or something, you're, you're still going to be a pretty good pretty good team. Uh, number two for me will be the Seahawks, just because I think what they did without a lot around Russell Wilson, I think they can only get better. Betting on quarterbacks is a from safe there. play in NFL history. Yeah, and I think three would be, 
I still think the Saints are, if if you bring Breeze back and he has another good year in him, um, the pieces around him, it's just hard to be a bad quarterback with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara as your safety net. Sean Payton calling um, plays, yep. I'll say four, Sean McVay and the Rams, because I think that team is due. Mm. Like, if, if you... Their problem was the NFC West more than anything. Yeah. I mean, their yeah. problem was playing in one of the toughest divisions, a division that I believe the NFC has represented uh, the NFC more than any team in the last 10 to 15 years. So I, I think that team could be right there. And then it's Packers, Vikings, maybe Cowboys move above the Vikings potentially. The, but I'm not a Mike McCarthy guy. My so wild card is the Cowboys, though. Yeah, And I'll tell you why. Not because necessarily of Mike McCarthy, and I think that he became an analytics genius in the offseason or something. Overnight, between I mean, his interview and uh, right, yeah. when he, they announced He him. visited the PFF offices, yeah. and now he's the most analytical coach. Yeah, he got one of those free trials. You know what I was like, oh, this would be cool <laughs> to implement. You're right. You know what I think it really is, though? Is the special teams and sort of luck factor for the Cowboys was really bad this year. And a lot of their other numbers are good. Yeah. They had one of the best and most efficient True. offenses in the NFL, and they just had some things go wrong. And I don't believe the Giants will be much better. I don't believe the Eagles will be much better. Nope. And the Washington football squad, probably not either. Yeah. And so when you talk about you know, just even your division and how this influences it, we never talk about how the Patriots played a bunch of patsies for like the whole time Tom Brady was here. Oh, they the did. Bills never made the playoffs. Until yeah. recently, the entire time Tom Brady was in the NFL. So it was two free wins, two free wins, two free wins. And in a way, if the Cowboys come back, they have a good roster, they bring Amari Cooper back, let's say, they've got a chance just based on that and the fact that McCarthy is a professional head coach and knows what he's doing, at least from the experience. It's not like some guy you brought in. It's not like Lincoln Riley where yeah. I'd say I have no idea how he's going to do. McCarthy knows how to be an NFL head coach. I wouldn't be surprised just because they have much more talent. And then if you get a one or two seed, one of those two teams is going to the Super Bowl. At this yeah. point, I've just decided I'm no longer going to talk about anyone else outside of the number one and two seed as the team that could go to the Super Bowl anymore until I'm proven <laughs> wrong. Well, my challenge with McCarthy is M- McCarthy is that guy where he can have a 10 and six quarterback, which the Packers were when Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl. And then his quarterback has been the difference. My question is, can Mike McCarthy make the difference between a 10 and six Cowboys team and a 12 and four Cowboys team that has a bye? I think the answer is no. So for me, if you're playing wild card football with Mike McCarthy, yeah, I'm not betting on you. Yeah, ever. I agree. Yep. So I that agree. to me becomes the, the challenge there is offensively, I don't know how they get much better. Defensively, what are they two years away from being a top ten unit, top five unit? I believe still a lot of talent on the defense, um, for sure. So that to me is the group that has to bring it all together, and I, I also think that you know bringing back Kellen Moore helps that team. It'd be nice if you signed that Prescott sometime here in the near future. Yeah, they'll have to do. What that. does he make, by the way? What, what do you give him? What's his number? If you're sitting at that table, what do you give him? I would give him. Can he use Mahomes' deal? As part of his? Oh, no, no. He can't even... Mahomes th- is just in a different category from everyone oh, yeah, No else. one's going to get yeah. Mahomes, but is, a, that, but is that the thing you go, okay, that's the moon? Yeah, like you want to wait for Mahomes to sign yes. and then you sign? I think you look at Wilson and you go, how about you give me that deal? 
or that's somewhere, that somewhere in that, yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. Because Wilson signed it a year ago, so it's got to go up. Yeah, just because the league is making more money, you're not worth more than Wilson. No. but you just had a great year, and you just sort of showed people. I remember you and I debating about whether we like Dak or not. You just sort of showed people, yeah, you can drive a top offense as the quarterback, yep. throwing the football. Yep. and he did a really good job this year. I think he'll continue to do that. Um, so he's probably worth that much. But they just made so many other mistakes. Like with that are going to bite them eventually with their money. Like Jalen Smith, it's like okay, I mean he's a good player, but it's not worth it to sign a linebacker for that. No. And Ezekiel Elliott, again, a great player, but if you got cap problems, you can't sign a running back to a ninety million dollar deal. No. And that's where they're at. Uh, we have only a couple of minutes left, you and I here together. So let me ask you another fascinating question: um, Who picks these Super Bowl halftime shows? I don't know, man, but I feel like it is. Like dads in their early forties, like I feel like that's the panel because I think that's the only panel that would be like, you know, who would really shut this thing down? Maroon Five, <laughs> you know, like I, I think it has to be. And then it's the same dads yeah. who I think were in the room and they were like, man, we let's do something flashy. Has anyone heard from J Lo in a while? Let's bring her and uh, Shakira. Oh yeah, her hips did not. Oh lie. man. Put those, those two truth telling hips, Jenny uh, from the block. Oh yeah, man. That's you know that's what I call music. Two thousand and five. <laughs> that's the that's the kind of act we want. I just remember growing up though, Colin, and feeling like if you played the Super Bowl, you had to be a Super Bowl worthy yeah, act, yeah. like Michael the, Jackson. Oh my goodness, that's what it was. Yeah. So it just feels like it's kind of taking a step back. I mean, they got Justin Timberlake here. I didn't think that was a good show. Uh, at that Super Bowl a couple years ago. But it was Justin Timberlake who was kind of trying to get back into music after acting and... You know, it's okay. Lady Gaga was great. Lady Gaga is great. And she's in that air. She's in that category. She's up there. I mean, Beyonce did it. I mean, there are some acts who've done it. But you're just used to every year there being somewhere where everyone's like, oh, yeah. I mean, J-Lo's not even going to sing. She'll lip sync, you know? Yeah, yeah. Shakira, are they just going to play music and she dances? Like, what, what songs is she doing? I'm, you can only do that one she's song. Doing hips don't lie, and then nothing but else. Like, that's, right? Just that's like three over minutes. And over. That's three minutes on the loop. Three minutes. Yeah. Jenny, Jenny does two songs from one of those infomercials <laughs> that you used to see her songs on, and then what? I, what do you do for the other like thirty minutes of the halftime show? I really don't know. Uh, it, it is amazing how you have this gap between these all-time great shows from the greatest performers ever. Like the Prince one is number one. Untouchable. No one can ever touch that. <laughs> that's the best. That is the best performance I've ever seen. But then you have ones that are so super unbelievably forgettable. Yeah. Who is even in that realm right now? Like, who's the most famous musician there is? Like, period. Like, in terms Just of, like, universal. The world's most famous it's musician It's got to be right Beyonce. Now. Yeah. And Taylor Swift, I think. Can they not get Taylor Swift to do it? Or did she do it already? Uh, I don't think. Ta- here's the thing. Taylor that's doesn't. Her thing. She doesn't have to. Yeah. Like, t- that's the thing is, like, she could, but she doesn't have to. Um, but I don't, yeah, who is the biggest, I mean, U2 has done it. Yeah. Obviously U2 is U2, but that's what you expect. I just think J-Lo and why J-Lo and Shakira, like. It's like J-Lo wasn't big enough. Like. So they needed to try and add somebody else to it. That doesn't really feel great to me. I don't even, I mean, that's a, that's the thing when they announced it and it's like, oh, Okay. But it made me think about who do we even consider like that person. Yeah. It probably is Lady Gaga, but she just did it. Lady it probably Gaga, is Beyonce, Beyonce, and she already did it. Yeah. And so if you've already checked off those boxes, 
I mean, I don't think you can have Billie Eilish do a um, no, Super Bowl. Think, it's a little, I don't a little think dark that. and slow. A little, little. <laughs> Wait a minute. This, this is a Super Bowl. Can, and, we, can we smile a little and, bit? And even, uh, I mean, so they had Bruno Mars, who's a great performer. He did He's it. great. Yep. But he doesn't strike. He's not the most. He's a great performer, but he's not like an icon. Yeah. Yep. I guess that's the word I would use is we're used to saying Super Bowl icons. You know, like I remember being a kid watching the Michael Jackson performance and being like, whoa. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is like next level and you're just locked in. I mean, last year at Maroon 5, I was like, oh, OK, I'll, I'll be back in the, a little bit. The saddest uh, part was when he was he tried to do the Prince shout out and said, can I play this guitar? And then just you know, didn't. Just don't. Don't do that. No, don't do that. No one should ever try to pretend to play guitar like Prince. But just embarrass yourself. Yeah, I don't need. Yeah, it's like, well, who would we pick then? I mean, not these two. Who'd be? Yeah, who's your who's your halftime show? Who do you get? Who do you get? Jonathan, do you have an answer to this? Yeah, who's on your halftime show? I have no idea, to be honest with you. There's not one act <laughs> that you would pick. It can be one you big, have like Thor. <laughs> Thor is my halftime <laughs> act. Nobody. You got nobody. <laughs> Not anybody that's worthy of the Super Bowl at this point. Like you guys said, it. it there aren't that it, many people, are it there? It feels like it belong. Like yeah. it should be someone who's a megastar, and there doesn't feel like there's that many musical megastars right now. I think that's part of it. There are not. Like what he just said is bad. I don't know that we have superstars in music I'm anymore this. today. Like we have people who are famous for like a, a stretch, song. a song or two. But okay. there's nobody. Foo Fighters. That might be a good one. They have enough music. That'd to be, be good. To the fact that can you imagine being Dave Grohl and having Prince play at the Super Bowl one of your songs? That's amazing. I would have never touched a guitar ever never again. again. I just I'm done. That's it. That's all I ever needed. Foo Fighters would be big. I mean, you could build something. Foo Fighters. They them. have they have the catalog to definitely. Do they have enough hit songs to be able to do it and definitely. enough energy to play a stadium. For me, it'd be uh, the 1994 through 97 West Coast Hip Hop All Stars. You just send out. Ice Cube, Dub C, like all, all Mac Ten, those remaining Snoop, uh, Warren G. You play Nate Dogg in the background. Yeah, I was gonna say Tupac hologram. <laughs> you know, you just would just keep throwing out all these dudes but on the stage. Not in Miami. You can't do it when the Super Bowl's in Miami. I ah, sure you can. No, you can't do that. Is yeah. DJ Khaled gonna come out? By the way, because if he does, I'll turn the whole thing off. If he comes just out, shouting I'm, things in the background, just stop. You got, uh, I mean, that's, that's the thing, like Bieber, is he still like as big of a name? Have you heard, he's, my daughter's like some new song he's got. Oh, he's got a new song? Some new, new song. What about Lil Wayne? Is he big enough? Well, he actually dropped a new album last night. He did. Well, so I feel like Lil, I, I think, I think Lil Wayne is like my age group's favorite rapper, but I feel like younger people are like, oh yeah, that guy I heard he was cool, Yeah, but they didn't really hear Well, him. what do they say about Shakira? That's, that's the right. thing. That's what I'm saying. What did I say about J Lo? <laughs> right. They probably know J Lo more from movies than they do music. I, I'm not an anti Bieber person. I I'm think I would either. have probably enjoyed him more because at least he's relevant at the moment. He's a hockey guy. He's from Canada. Yeah. And Usher discovered by Usher. No, Bieber is a superstar. Yeah. I think you can put him in that. So Ariana Grande. At, maybe? at very least, we can find a handful that would yeah, have been better, be or some sort of collaboration of a number of good people who could put on a ten to fifteen minute show. Yeah, there will never be another Prince show. So, anyway, my Nas own, maybe would be good. I mean, Nas rap Illmatic. That you that'd showing, just be cool for me. I was going to say showing your age. That just there. be cool for me. Yeah, when is the last <laughs> no. good 
album Nas put out, just, it's like 90. It'd be cool for me. I'd be there in the front <laughs> celebrating. I know the lyrics. Oh, yeah. I think you really you really showed your age there with yeah, the Warren G and Nas were the guys that they should put out there. Like, Warren G. That's why I around? should be on the committee. That's right. No, uh, probably not. Give me Shaggy. Me either. Uh, it wasn't me. All right. Myron, great stuff. This was lots of fun. I'm glad we could do this on uh, the day or a couple days before the Super Bowl. Just have some fun here today. And when we come back, Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune will not be having fun. We will be breaking down football and looking at the Vikings secondary and their future when we return. Here, you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I think it was the, you know, the camaraderie we had. Um, you know, guys really buying in, believing in one another, believing in ourselves, our individual talent, but then just putting it together, you know, sacrificing Absolutely. the individual um, for the success and the goals of a team. That was Minnesota Vikings safety Anthony Harris. Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. And uh, we welcome into the show from the Star Tribune. He's been working on a series looking at each position. Andrew Kramer, what's going on, Andrew? Hey, Matthew, not much. Good to be on. Yeah, well, isn't it? Um, so <laughs> I've been also doing something similar because we all are because our team is home and not playing in the Super Bowl. So going from <laughs> position to position. And the secondary is one of the most challenging to figure out. I felt like I was working on that one for hours and hours with like, well, wait, if this happens, then they got to do this. And then there's this guy. And then what are they going to do with this guy? Um, can we just start out with Anthony Harris? Do you think it's worth the money if Anthony Harris comes to the Vikings and says 14 mil a year, that's the going price for top safeties. I led the league in picks. I led the league in pro football focus grade. Pay me that money. Is that worth it for a team that is in salary cap jail? Yeah, as you put it, jail. And that's that's just really what it is for the Vikings right now. I, I don't think it is. Um, I, I know how great of a player Anthony Harris is. I know he came up through the practice squad, the special teams pipeline, much like the Adam Thielens and all the other homegrown stars for the Vikings. He is the kind of player that they want to pay. Um, I just I don't think you can make it work unless you're totally shedding guys like Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, Xavier Rhodes. Unless you are gutting this defense to keep him, I just don't know how financially you make it work. And oh, by the way, Harrison Smith is two years now left on this current deal that is, you know, uh, criminally underpaying him. Uh, he's deserving of his own noon contract as well. So there's just a lot of moving pieces, Matt. And I just, I don't know if you can pay Anthony without gutting half your defense. So is it a bad idea to gut half the defense? This is what it kept coming into my mind as I was looking position to position and looking at what they're paying some people. It's They're just not worth it. I mean, we know that Xavier Rhodes is going to be, um, what did you just zip up a jacket right there? What was that noise? Um, so, <laughs> Is that a cat? That was actually. I got to go outside, man. Oh, okay. It's snowing. Well, that is. I don't know why that came through so loud and clear. Like, what is that? Um, 
But it was too loud to just keep talking. Anyway, so, uh, but like, you know, you look at Linval Joseph's contract, and there's just no way that what he brings to the table now is worth what they're paying him. The same with Xavier Rhodes. And even the second half of the season on Everson Griffin, Andrew, it, it just didn't add up to what he's going to want to get paid. So I don't even think it's a crazy bad idea if they did make a lot of changes here and start to move some of these younger players into these spots. Now, to keep playing devil's advocate, though, they, they had arguably the NFL's best safety tandem, you know, if, if not number one, maybe number two, number three, something like that. And they still were an average pass defense. It's true. And you've, you've still seen in Anderson Dejo's, Robert Blanton's, um, whoever start next to Harrison in this pass defense has been pretty good. So is the position worth that value? I, I think that's an argument that they have to kind of look at, honestly, and say, look, do we, do we need, you know, $28 million in cap space tied up to two safeties? Or can we get by with just a guy next to Harrison as we've done for so many years? And here's what I really want to know, Andrew, is when Rick Spielman and the Wilfs and Mike Zimmer sit in a room and they talk about the direction of the team, let's just say Gary's there because, you know, he's Gary. And <laughs> and they're talking about, all right, here's what we want to do. Here's the tough decisions, as Zimmer talked about in his final press conference of the year. And here's what we have to make. And, hey, sorry, Mike, I know that you want to pay this guy and this guy and this guy, but we really need a left guard and we really need another wide receiver who could help us out and so on. And we really want to pay Delvin. Do you think Mike Zimmer would be willing to sacrifice some of the talent on the defensive side? And and the Vikings were one of the highest in the league in their cap hit spent on defense. Is he willing to say, you know what, I'll put out some of the players that I've developed over a couple of years, like your Holton Hill, your Mike Hughes, your Afadi Adenabo, in these key spots uh, to sacrifice for the offense? Or do you think that that's going to be a real battle between the front office and Zimmer for how they want to approach the future here? I think it has to be, uh, especially because we know just being around this team as much as, as you and I both have in the recent years, how much personnel sway that Mike Zimmer has. It's, it's fairly significant. Um, now, he's obviously not the GM. He's not the GM coach like the Bill Belichick, but he's still got a very strong say on the kind of players they go look for, who they draft. Um, and so, yes, absolutely, that's going to be a, a tug of war. We heard it two years ago. Uh, before they paid Kirk Cousins, it was Mike Zimmer sitting on a plush couch in, in some hotel in Indianapolis talking about how, hey, you know what? It's great to pay these top quarterbacks, but it better not come at the cost of my defense. Well, right now, it's going to, and, and, and it should. And I think they're at the point now where they overpaid Anthony Barr to keep him. Um, and now you're at the point where you got to kind of come to terms with that and move on from some of these guys. And, and probably it's going to be a, an Everson Griffin or a Xavier Rhodes. Um, I'm, I would love to be a fly on the wall, though, for some of these conversations, particularly when it comes to some of the homegrown players like Anthony Harris, a guy who I'm sure Mike Zimmer takes pretty good pride in developing over these past few years. Yeah, for sure. I love how you made uh, the hotel sit down with Zimmer sound so cool right there. Like we're on a cool <laughs> couch and Zimmer's just talking ball, which uh, it is It is one of the best times to connect with, with Zimmer on these things in the offseason. Um, so well, let's talk about the cornerbacks, Andrew. Uh, who are they? Who's playing corner? I mean, so Courtney Cronin and I were debating this the other day. It's a good place to start is Trey Waynes. I've been looking at Trey Waynes for several years as a guy that you just don't pay because he's okay, but he's not great, and he's going to get overpaid. And the comparison that I made was like Prince of Makamura, who makes nine or ten million dollars a year, and it's just okay. A team with a bunch of cap space can afford to sign okay as an improvement. 
but this team doesn't have that cap space. So where would you stand on Waynes? Do you think he is gone, or is Zimmer going to look at him like one of those guys that he developed? That's just it. They're always going to have these ties. And the Vikings front office and, and probably the coaching staff and Zimmer, they make so many, they seem to make emotional decisions at times and when they have connections to guys. And, you know, when Barr came crawling back to the negotiating table last year and they gave him more money, uh, they keep Kyle Rudolph. Um, I mean, just some of these decisions are kind of connected based on the fact of like, hey, this is our guy. This is the kind of guy we want here. Um, Trey could fall in that category, especially because it's no secret Mackenzie Alexander and J. Ron Curse are not, you know, dying to come back here. So mm-hmm. if you lose those two guys, you've all of a sudden maybe have to pay Trey if you're viewing it that way of, hey, we don't want to totally start over a corner because, oh, by the way, Mike Hughes has a broken vertebrae in his neck, and he's the only guy who's got any experience who's set to come back on a cheaper contract. So to me, I Look, if personally, if, if I'm playing GM, no, I'm not paying Trey Waynes. But if they can't get any of their guys to stay and they don't like Xavier Rhodes anymore, I could see them saying, you know what, just to maintain some kind of continuity here, we gotta we got to pay Trey. Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune joining me here on Purple Daily. And uh, his Twitter, Andrew underscore Kramer, is probably the best place to go find all of your tweeted out articles, I think. Or if not that, the uh, Star Tribune website which, you know, you can also use that. Um, But looking at every single position and the cornerbacks and safeties are just super fascinating because there's a couple of guys out there, Andrew, someone like Chris Harris, who's a nickel corner, but that's really valuable in Mike's uh, defense, and then also Byron Jones. And I was thinking about this with Richard Sherman, where he was the same age as Chris Harris, and it really paid off for San Francisco to go all in on Richard Sherman. A fairly reasonable deal for them at the time, but he was just coming off an Achilles tear. Usually that is a horrific injury that ruins somebody's career, but it worked out for them. And I don't see any way that you can really stop the pass effectively if you don't have one of the elite corners or someone like Tyron Matthew that plays every single position on the field. I don't think that they could just say, let's hope that it works out with this guy or that guy, or let's bring back Trey, who's average. I think you need to find a better solution than that, and maybe it's in the draft, uh, or it's spending a lot of money on one of these free agents. Yeah, Chris Harris would be fascinating. Uh, he's he's a guy that I could see Mike Zimmer just loving, um, just based on the way he plays. Um, that connection to Denver that he's got, obviously, heck, maybe Gary Kubiak has, has some sway there. That's a fascinating one I could see possibly happening. And to your point about not just staying average and just kind of staying status quo, that's the MO that the Vikings have to kind of look in the mirror and challenge themselves about this offseason, especially when it comes to the secondary. Um, it's just, is what we are good enough? And, and frankly, if this, the Vikings have kind of always prided themselves too on, on drafting and developing, right? Well, if, if they're so good at that, you know, why do you need these first round corners year in and year out? Yeah. I understand yep. the higher the draft pick, the better the guys, but why don't you trust some of your coaches? And now the, the coaches that they just basically fired and, and replaced in the defensive secondary, but uh, trust some of those guys to develop some of them and, and maybe spend some of that draft capital on your offensive line or something like that. Yeah, that's, um, that's no, what I, I really want to I, know, Andrew. Is like who, yeah, if, who's making the calls? Also, do you, do you think of that? I think of that all the time. Is like who's making the calls here on how they're going to spend this cap space? Like, does Gary Kubiak walk into the room and be like, "Guys, uh, the old Wranglers had enough of you spending on defense. Time to spend on the offense a little more." I mean, what? Like, how does this work out with these guys all making these decisions? Because you can't have bad corners, but you also can't spend every first round pick on a corner. 
Yeah, there are obviously disagreements. Um, I can tell you uh, not everybody was in agreement to re-sign Kyle Rudolph in that front office last spring. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was some thinking in there to trade him and just move on. And and they did not like the compensation they were getting in offers and decided not to and decided to re-sign him. Uh, those are those kinds of decisions where you look back on it and go, man, that it just seems like an emotional decision and a homegrown decision and one where, yeah, you can't keep in a salary cap sport, as we keep saying over and over, you can't keep throwing money at people. And so they kind of got to look at cheaper resources at some point. And if they do gut the defense, and let's say they decide to pay Anthony Harris and somehow still have money to go after Chris Harris Jr., that might be the best way to go about it and just let all these other cornerbacks walk. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. And then also, you know, they gave... Uh, Holton Hill a lot of rope to play with by keeping him on the team, uh, even though it was like strike three at least with getting suspended twice and then what happened with him failing a drug test at the Combine. So there must be something there that they like uh, to put him in a position. He's kind of a wild card because we don't really know how they even feel about him. And are they ready to put Chris Boyd in a position to play? Probably not. Mike Hughes having the health issues, that's another thing. So a lot of balls in the air for them. I do want to ask you, Andrew, about uh, Gary Kubiak becoming the offensive coordinator because in one way, I totally see it and I totally get why you would do this. They were really good on offense last year. Overall numbers were excellent. They're one of the top 10 offenses in the league and it's Gary Kubiak's offense. But also... I thought that the relationship with Kubiak and Stefanski was very good because Stefanski added more modern twists to a Kubiak offense. Do you think it's going to work the same to just have Kubiak in charge? We're about to learn a lot about now. Now we know we know how Gary Kubiak likes to run offenses. We've got enough sample size with other NFL teams, but we're going to learn a lot about just how he does it with Mike Zimmer um, because. I am going to be fascinated to see how Stefanski calls things in Cleveland. Is he even more aggressive? And then do the Vikings get even more conservative, as you said, with Stefanski leaving? Um, but to me, this, I, I know you wrote about this too, but to me, this means almost, I would almost take the money to Vegas that they're going to uh, re-sign Kirk Cousins and re-sign Dalvin Cook with, with Gary Kubiak stepping in as OC. Because you were just doubling down on everything that you tried to do on offense, and those were your two main guys last year. And frankly, this almost is a sure thing to me, too, that they're going to try to trade Stephon Diggs. You don't keep two premium wide receivers in a two-tight end offense. It just doesn't make sense financially, and I think they can move Diggs out, keep cooking Cousins, and kind of just keep the train moving down the same track. Well, the, Okay, so you drop a bombshell with the possibility of uh, trading Stephon Diggs. Now I have to follow up on that. Um, do you think that do you think it's really going to happen? Because if I'm the Vikings, I'm saying, oh, it's really nice that you want to go play in Baltimore or D.C. or whatever. But no, 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 no. Sorry. And especially what he did when Thielen was out. It really said something about his ability to take over games with some of the best receivers in the NFL, even if he doesn't have his number two there or one A or one B or whatever the way you want to put it. But if Diggs decides to play hardball about getting out, there's almost nothing you can do as the Vikings. So I, this is a situation that I think we should not just put in the back burner, but still continue to discuss. Yeah, there are two points to that, that the, to that topic that I would lead with. One is the fact that they've got no money, and you've just you've got to find a way to clear cap space. If, if that's in 2020, that's in beyond as well. Um, but also, I don't think Stephon Diggs is necessarily a Mike Zimmer guy. Mm. Um, I'm just venturing to guess that. I'm not reporting that. I'm not sourcing that. I'm just venturing to guess. And so I 
if Mike Zimmer's got as much sway personnel-wise as we all assume, especially defensively, one way to free up a lot of money to keep some of those defenders is trading away that wide receiver. And I just, I think you sell high. I think it makes sense after the year that Stefan had, and, and you bring up how he played in lieu of Adam Thielen, it was really well. And so I think if you sell high on that, try to get another first-round pick for him somewhere. Um, I don't think you have to cater to Stefan and trade him where he wants to go. If Buffalo wants to give up a first-round pick, do it. Yeah, uh, Get that first-round pick, uh, have two of them going into this year, and then have all that extra money to, to work with. I just It does not make sense to have two star wide receivers in an offense that's going to throw among the, the fewest times in the NFL. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I saw a stat the other day that when the Vikings are leading, they run at a higher percentage than any other team in the NFL, which kind of tells you a lot about the Zimmer philosophy. Uh, last thing before I let you go, Andrew, um, who's going to win the Super Bowl, you think? Oh, I think San Francisco. And, and I actually, I think it might resemble a lot of Kansas City's games to this point. I, I think we could end up seeing um, San Francisco take an early lead, maybe even a three-score early lead. Kansas City crawls back, and then San Francisco wins at the very end. I just think they're better coached on both sides of the ball, and I cannot get out of my mind how that San Francisco defensive front just mauled people, mm-hmm. uh, especially the Vikings, as we saw live in person a couple weeks ago. I'm going Kansas City because I think Mahomes will run away from them. <laughs> like they faced, I mean, they faced the perfect two teams to have a great defensive line against because neither quarterback would throw the ball if you rush them. They, Aaron Rodgers holds on to it. Cousins holds on to it. I think Mahomes can make enough plays off schedule that he's going to be able to beat him. Yeah, it'll be a fun one. Either way, I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, me too. Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune. Really appreciate your time, Andrew. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yep. Follow him at uh, Andrew underscore Kramer with a K. K-R-A-M-M-E-R. You probably remember this because he used to have my job before he went to the Star Tribune. Um, and uh, Star Tribune beat reporter. And so you can check out his work there. He's done a really nice series. We've both been doing the same thing, essentially, which is when the season comes to an end, you deconstruct it and you tear it all down and you say, all right, what have we got left? And what did we learn about this last season? And I just uh, wrote about the linebackers because we talked about the secondary to open up yesterday's show and how valuable I think it is that they find a replacement. And Andrew laid out really well there about just all the questions and how they're going to do it because eventually the check comes and you have to pay it with the salary cap. And as brilliant as they are with the cap and as much as they're willing to hand out cash, nonetheless, it shows up and you've got to make some really hard decisions. So I wrote about the linebackers and I, one thing I keep coming back to that I wonder, will it be different is the Anthony Barr decision. And Andrew mentioned that they decided last year, even though there was some consternation about it, um, to bring back Kyle Rudolph, which ultimately was a good move for this year. And I don't know whether it will be in the future, but I I think Kyle Rudolph is a very effective player, and anyone who listens on a regular basis knows throw it to Kyle was a thing that we had this year because he's always going to catch it when you throw it to him, and that's still important to have. So I think Rudolph had a good year and justified his contract this season. Irv Smith would have had a tough time handling the full role, and I, I, I understood that move. I think it was a good move overall to keep Rudolph even late in his career. But the Anthony Barr contract... His cap number jumps up this year from 5.6 million in the first year. And this goes to the check coming eventually. 
because they designed it so it was a very low cap hit to fit everybody underneath the cap last offseason to only be 5.6. And that's when you know you're really going for it. When you set up these contracts that have much worse cap hits down the road, but for right now, it's fine. And that's how it was with Anthony Barr. $5.6 million cap hit 2019. No big deal. And he was probably worth that. But that goes up to $12.7 million next year and 15.5 in 2021 which is just mind blowing for a guy who has been good not great and he's been somewhat effective as a pass rusher but they don't use him as a pass rusher all the time and over the last 4 years his i mean even going back to his rookie year his PFF grades are a roller coaster if you chart them out which no surprise I did at uh, scorenorth.com but last year it's under 60 in 2015, it's 90. In 2017 and 18, it's 70. He's kind of been all over the place. And from year to year, it could be hard to say exactly what you're going to get from Anthony Barr, how many impact plays he's going to make, which is what really shows up in those PFF grades. And this year, I just didn't feel like there were too many times that he was the guy making impact plays. As much as Mike Zimmer will tell us that, He is a unique combination, size, speed, and smarts, and he's going to make life difficult on opponents and all those sorts of things. He's a a mastermind of the defense. He knows it super well. All those things are valuable. They're like underratedly valuable that you can tell Anthony Barr to do pretty much anything, and he can do it effectively. But if you're not one of the top players at your position, making 12.7 and then 15.5 on the cap over the next two years isn't worth it. And that's where you wonder, as Andrew was talking about, how much they have to go to Mike Zimmer and say, we just can't let you be in charge of making these decisions with players that you're loyal to anymore because we don't have the cap space to do it. And I even thought about Anthony Barr as a potential trade guy. Like if the Indianapolis Colts called you up and said, we will give you a second round pick to get out from under that Anthony Barr contract, I think you might have to do it. Just to make the cap space. Because only cutting a few older players is really not going to do it that well down the road. And I don't think that they're going to make a move like that. But I wonder how much creativity will be used for this team um, to deal with their cap issues. Let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to go down to Miami. And one of my favorite people that I've ever met in this business. His name is Peter Carline, and he is from England and writes for the Daily Mail, but he comes to our fair country once a year for the Super Bowl and maybe every once in a while for something else to write, but mostly just for the Super Bowl. And so he's down in Miami. He's also a big Vikings fan. So we're going to get the report, what he thinks for Miami, plus his takes on the Vikings offseason. When we return, and you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. This month, one lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Top Golf with prizes also available for Amazon.com and more. Register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. Kirk Cousins down on Media Row actually joined Good Morning Football this morning was asked, what was the key to Dalvin Cook's success this season and going forward? And he said, well, the key for Dalvin is staying healthy. You know, he uh, he's always played at a high level when he's been there. But this year he was healthy nearly the entire season. And so the chance for him to show what he could do over 16 games was really what separated him. And I think when he's healthy and when he's rolling, 
he's as good as anybody in the league running the football. And it made a big difference for me for our pass game. You know, it took a lot of pressure off of the other parts of our offense when he could carry it the way he did. That's been your score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, now we welcome into the show. Um, well, most radio stations during Super Bowl week are getting you generic interviews with NFL legends in which they push some sort of sneaker or diet soda. We bring on our favorite Englishman. He's a Vikings fan. He covers the NFL and writes for the Daily Mail. Peter Carline, he's been on the show before. What's up, Peter? Hello. Um, I'd like to advertise my new diet soda, if that's <laughs> If it's Diet Dr. Uh, Pepper, I am already way ahead of you on this show um, for the amount that I drink during the show. Um, Peter is in Miami. How is Miami treating you? Miami is pretty warm. Miami's treating me pretty well. Um, I think we've got a, a, a day of Radio Row ahead of us. The, I went to both teams' press conferences yesterday. Um, the, the Chiefs started uh, at 8 in the morning, which meant I had to be up at half 5 after arriving the day before. So thank you, Mr. Reed, for that decision. <laughs> um, but but the access has been brilliant. I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of that has to do with probably two factors. Um, the one, no no Patriots being here, because that, that media crowd have incredibly sharp elbows. And <laughs> two, the transportation in Miami has been... Certain members of Her Majesty's Press Corps has not been very impressed, shall we say? But that's that's fine with me because I got some, you know, some some good access yesterday. And a, a co- like for example, a, a colleague of mine was sat down with Robert Sala uninterrupted, one on one for ten minutes. Oh, well, so, thanks. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty, pretty, so pretty good. And and today it's today I'm going to Inter Miami's stadium or future stadium, and then uh, an afternoon on Radio Row, which. Which is an assault to the senses and uh, is fairly amusing. All right, well, Peter, tell me what you've learned down there about these two teams. Uh, have you gotten any inside scoops to how this game is going to go? Because I'm really excited for it, and I know that you are too. Uh, this matchup is classic teams stacked with all sorts of talent, and it's one of those Super Bowls where you say, yep, these are the people who belong here. Like These are the teams who earned it during the regular season, and they certainly earned their way. San Francisco by kicking everyone's ass in the playoffs, and Kansas City coming back from 24, and then the, the performances of their quarterbacks. So if you're looking at, I guess, the two teams, what has been your feeling about them uh, being down there in Miami? Well, uh, just just going back to what you said, I, I, I'm pretty sure you were probably saying exactly the same thing about the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks six years ago. But anyway, let's hope it's not <laughs> a one-sided stomping. Fair counterpoint. Um, I I like the 49ers. Uh, I like Shanahan. But my colleague said to me yesterday, uh, "Have you have you noticed how he's reacting to these constant questions about the being 28-3 up in a Super Bowl?" Not going to say he's developing a tick, but someone said he's a bit stressed out by that. I think, and and uh, you know, I, I guess only time will tell. But the, the Chiefs, uh, but he also said about we also noticed about the Forty Nineers that they were uh, they were a team. You know that they they clearly are very close. They're clearly in, uh, enjoying the line like they've got. You know, obviously Richard Sherman is a hell of a player to have in your locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, what with Super Bowl experience and ability, um, but then but then on the flip side, of course, you come to the Chiefs and. Uh, They've got Mahomes, haven't they? They've got a great coach. They've got Mahomes. They've got in- incredibly fast. So, I mean, like you, I'm 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 thrilled. I'm looking forward to see what happens. Uh, I mean, the question is: Are, are the Chiefs going to start by passing early and get that front four on the back foot and and try to wear those guys out? Because no one's really done that. And 
if any team can do it, it's 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 the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, and it feels like too San Francisco relies a lot on Richard Sherman shutting down someone on his side of the field and San Francisco's defensive line just attacking the quarterback. And we saw the Vikings hold on to the ball too much, Kirk Cousins gets sacked. We saw the Packers hold on to the ball too much. Aaron Rodgers gets sacked. And and that was the, the big game-wrecking problem that the 49ers caused. But this is a different quarterback. This is not a quarterback who's going to hang on to the ball. Or if he does, he's going to dodge tacklers and make plays off schedule and roll out and run for a 30-yard touchdown where he trucks a safety into the end zone. I, I think that that is the different challenge here that is a little harder to project how it's going to go because San Francisco's defensive line was so game-wrecking to two quarterbacks that kind of sit in the pocket these days. Aaron Rodgers used to run around like crazy, but he doesn't really do that anymore. Uh, Mahomes is like the younger Rodgers, and that's where I think if they can't disrupt you and you can find ways to get out of the pocket and make throws off schedule and things like that for Patrick Mahomes, he can absolutely uh, dominate this game on his own, even if his offensive line doesn't hold up that well. Um, well, exactly, and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he handles that stage because um, some, someone said he's he, obviously there are comparisons with Brett Favre, but but also someone said he he's quite similar to Elway as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward. Uh, let's hope his offensive line can can do a slightly better job than the Vikings' offensive line. But also, also is that part? A lot of that is down to the uh, the defense of the San Francisco 49ers, who, who who are of course exceptional, good against the pass. But how are they going to handle that man? Right. That, I guess that, that, that's the that's the key, isn't it? Would you rather see? And, and we'll get to some Vikings talk because you follow the Vikings very closely, including listening to the show, which I appreciate, Peter. Um, I do. I'm a regular listener. I, I, I enjoy your coverage greatly. And I, and I oh, thank yeah. you for that. Um, so uh, would you rather see a game that's a shootout and just goes back and forth and ends up both teams score in the 40s or a very close game that's more of a slugfest and a defensive struggle, but Patrick Mahomes has the ball at his own 25 with a minute to go down by four. Like, what, you got what, it. I, which would you yeah, rather see? The latter. Some, something like uh, the one in Arizona, the Seattle, New England. That, that's the best Super Bowl that I've, that I've, I've seen. Something like that. It, yeah, it, that's what you're looking for. You don't want a stomping, obviously. And, yeah, the end-to-end stuff, the, the Eagles, the the Eagles and the Patriots, well, that was just hurt your neck. It was like watching basketball. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think you need some tension. I think you need definitely some nail biting in, in, in the last sort of five five minutes coming down to a late Mahomes drive. Perfect. You know, three points in it, something like that. Be amazing. Have you decided who you think is going to win? No, I haven't. And I know it's the <laughs> cop out answer. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs. I am too. I am too. After thinking about it now for two weeks, I, I just think usually the best quarterback wins, which was not the case exactly. in Minnesota with Nick Foles beating Tom Brady. <laughs> um, so unusual things do happen in football sometimes that take us by surprise, and that's why we continue to watch. But when it's Mahomes with all the weapons that he has and his ability to make plays when there's nothing there, and also he doesn't really turn the ball over much, which usually plays – the biggest role in games like this in the playoffs, if you turn it over a couple times, usually you're facing a great team, and that's just it for you. And Mahomes has the remarkable ability not to turn it over, and I think that that gives them the advantage. And, of course, we've 
we've seen Garoppolo turn it over the, the playoffs mm-hmm. to the yep. uh, once magnificent Minnesota Vikings, of course. <laughs> once magnificent is a good way to describe them. Well, let's talk about them, Peter, since you follow the Vikings so closely. Um, I can see you on FaceTime right now. Our listeners can't, but you make a face as soon as I say, like, let's talk about the Vikings because they are in a really tough spot here. I mean, they have to make decisions on Delvin Cook and on Kirk Cousins' extensions. They have no one who plays cornerback right now. Uh, There are even questions on the defensive line about how much longer Joseph is going to be here, if Everson Griffin is going to be here. I mean, there could be big changes on the way, Peter. Left tackle as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's already been big changes, haven't there? I mean, Dalvin Cook, yeah, my my instinct, as crazy as it sounds, is uh, not not to not to renew that deal. You've said about the cornerbacks. I mean, we've got Rhodes, who, yeah, I mean, that that's an that's an easy win for me. Um, we're going to have to have another exceptional draft, I believe, and we, the Vikings, are going to have to have another exceptional draft, and they're going to also have to find some new um, coaching staff quite quickly. I would say. It's very, I, know, I, know, I know how much Kubiak enjoyed that role without facing the media every week, just being the guy behind the scene. And how's, how's he going to how's he going to react to that? Being in the limelight again. I know there's continuity in the scheme. Well, I also think about Kubiak, Peter, that uh, it's not just that he's got to kind of take on this role that he hasn't had in a while, but it's also can he be as innovative as. Uh, Kevin Stefanski was like Stefanski used a lot of different formations and motions and things like that and personnel combinations that kept defenses off balance and is Kubiak going to kind of go back to just being Gary Kubiak of back of the day or is he going to carry some of those things over and be innovative himself I definitely think is the question let let me uh, ask you about Delvin Cook what do you think they'll do you're there at the Super Bowl with two teams that are running out undrafted running backs and averaging four and a half to five yards carry I mean you think that that would have any influence on the way the Vikings look at Delvin Cook the Vikings are a quite a loyal franchise aren't they they are in terms of and 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 while that's admirable in one way uh i mean the i, I don't think that um Le'Veon bell has done the running back position any favors and perhaps they should look more towards Le'Veon bell and as san francisco as a model i mean of course how many six teams passed up most at most of that he's, he's found the right guy there aren't many kyle shanahan's in the league but we have what yeah, we're, we're in a tight spot, aren't we? <laughs> Whichever way you look at it, uh, you know, <laughs> we've got two receivers who we're paying a great deal of money and they deserve a great deal of money, but we're not really using them perhaps as they should be used and as much as they should be used. So maybe to get the best way out of them is to say, you know, thank you very much, Darwin. I mean, the other thing is he, ha- he hasn't completed a 16-game season with the Vikings. So right. let's, let's look at his, while he was amazing for times this year, when he gets that knock... You don't have him anymore, and the running back market is is not cheap. Um, so maybe let's uh, get drafting <laughs> and and hope to strike gold in in the third, fourth, or fifth rounds again, or even the undrafted market. Right. I mean, they already have another good running back in Alexander Madison, and and yeah. Mike Boone might continue to progress. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he showed some signs when he got in the game, uh, especially week seventeen. He was very good, aside from I, I think. He dropped the pass right into the other team's hands, which, you know, is problematic at times, but Vikings like, if, if nothing else. Um, so, Adrian Peterson. 
Yeah, right. There were, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's an option. Just get Adrian Peterson and Alexander. You know what? People will take you seriously when you say that. There are enough of his fans that are still around. They're like, no, bring him back. That's a great idea. Trade Delvin. <laughs> uh, I get emails still anytime we talk about Adrian Peterson. Like, how dare you guys say that he's still not one of the best running backs in the league? Um, but, uh, you know, they are, they do have a number of difficult decisions and the most difficult Maybe they don't see it this way, Peter, is the quarterback and whether to sign Cousins to a long-term extension worth a gazillion no. dollars. But No. So are you are you on the team of drafting Jalen Hurts or Jake Fromm or whoever uh, is after Tua? I, I think so, yeah. I think I, I think you, you need a progression plan, don't you? And it, great, he had a great season, don't get me wrong, but he's clearly a very good businessman as well and he's not going to be cheap. Um, we've, we've all seen what he can do. We've all seen what he can't do. And if you have Cousins in your team, you can play against Kirk Cousins as a defense. You know how to stop him, and teams will stop him. Combine that with a phenomenal cap hit, where you need a lot of uh, free agents. Then you know, it, it, yeah. Let, let's 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 do the Seattle model. Let's draft a quarterback. Back early, or, or even the Kansas, all right, like Kansas City struck gold once in what fifty years. But yeah, let's 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 have a let's have a look. let's get a kid in there and um, hope to hope to develop him that way. Now, the only counterpoint that I might try to use uh, because I haven't really decided. I mean, I think that they're going to sign him, and I think that there is a case to sign him uh, because of the way the NFC's quarterbacks play out uh, at the moment, that there's a lot of uncertainty in the NFC, and you might end up having the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFC for a few years here, unless uh, you know some things change pretty quickly. But just looking around, if Breeze retires and, and you know you, you, San Francisco, this might be their only shot. I think the 49ers might be your sort of counterpoint that they were able to draft players that fit in around Jimmy Garoppolo and have a genius offensive coordinator. And I do think Garoppolo is a little better than Cousins, but it's not massively better that they're that they have a lot of similarities. So that would be your comparison. If they could draft really well and build the roster up again around him, that they'll have another shot at some point to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I mean, do do you not think that window is closed? You look at you look at the you look at the the teams in the NFL and, and how how much further ahead they are. And I don't know. I, th- I think that I think it's I think the Vikings are sort of entering rebuild mode, don't you? Well, I think they're going to have to reload. And if they do decide to move on from Cousins, then it does become a, a rebuild situation. Except for how are you going to convince Mike Zimmer that that's the way to go? The, uh, I mean, yeah. You look back to the to the win against the Saints, and and to me, it sort of it was it was very it was beautiful for for about a day, and then you realised that the Forty ers were coming up, and was it also kind of a pyrrhic victory in that it, it's 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 almost the worst result for the Vikings in terms of what what shaped up what what it, what it shook up. Does that make sense? Because yeah, fair enough. They won it. They got to the playoffs and they won a game, but. As a, as a, in terms of the long term effects that that win had, that kind of kept Zimmer in his job, didn't yeah. it? Yep. No, and you're right. And don't get me wrong, I am a a, a, a huge fan, but it, again, that loyalty. <laughs> I think I think some because if we'd have, if we'd have we if the Vikings had not gone to the playoffs, it would have been Cheerio, Spielman, and Zimmer. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think if um, if you had had a 44-10 to 10 loss for the Vikings, we're probably talking about going through all sorts of major changes right now. But to your point, winning that game, if it keeps Zimmer in place and it keeps Spielman in place, they're going to continue the road to try and win next year as opposed to starting a rebuild process, which they might need. So it may have kind of delayed the inevitable is the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I absolutely second it. it, it yeah. I would also say, Peter, that you could say we. You're not covering Parliament. You're fine. Yeah, but then they, they don't have any. They don't. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a member of the Vikings organization. It's you know, true. I, I, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the Daily Mail will continue to allow you to go to the Super Bowl and cover it for them if you said we about the Vikings. You're all right. So what's uh, what's on the agenda for the rest of your time in Miami, Peter? Uh, I'm I'm just heading. I'm just. Walking to catch a bus to go to Inter Miami's ground, the new MLS franchise. Oh, and then I shall come back to the media centre and I shall uh, attend Radio Row this afternoon. Then I will think I'm going out for a meal. Saturday will be a sightseeing, quiet type day, and then um, there's a big game. On Sunday. I have heard that. I have heard that. Well, always glad to catch up with you, Peter. Um, I hope soon at some point that we can run into each other again at the Super Bowl. I, Since you are not on American soil that often, that's, uh, that's probably our best chance of uh, running into each other at some point. So I'm not certain that it will be with the Vikings in it, but hopefully soon. So I, I appreciate your time there, Peter. No, and I hope so too. I'm very sorry for the garbled last three minutes. I realize that I'm late for my minibus and I've had to walk... <laughs> to the other side of an enormous building. Well, that is not a problem. To talk to you and enjoy the game. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I enjoy the conversation whenever we can get together. And uh, we can do it again soon, even when you're uh, back overseas, to continue to talk about the Vikings offseason as moves get made. So uh, Peter, Peter Carline, he uh, writes for the Daily Mail. He is in Miami and one of my favorite guys to talk to. So have a great time down there, Peter. And you, Matt. My favorite parts about Peter Carline is that... He'll say things that I don't quite process quickly because it's just of slightly different language. So he'll say, well, if they had lost, it would have been cheerio to Zimmer and (laughs) Spielman. I'm like, yeah, cheerio, which means fired? Yes. Or means we would have said good morning to them? (laughs) (laughs) And when I message Peter, because we'll talk about the Vikings sometimes, and he listens to the show, as I mentioned, and, you know, so we'll go back and forth. And there'll be, there'll be moments like that all the time where he'll just, you know, he'll be just talking. We'll be messaging back and forth and I'll Mm -hmm. be like, not really sure what that word is and how it's supposed to be used in English. Um, But that, yeah, always fun to catch up with him. And uh, despite how wonky FaceTime can be, um, a a fun time to talk with Peter Carline. All right, Jonathan, let's figure this out. We got like three and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. Who's winning? Who's winning the Super Bowl? What do we think? I think I'm going to lean towards the Chiefs here. I just like that it doesn't seem like anything phases them. Like they just come back from whatever deficit they put on themselves for some reason to start a game. They can start as slow as they want, and they'll just come back and just throw up 50 points like it's no one's business. I like Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the better quarterback between the two. And generally, I think that wins the Super Bowl is who has the better quarterback. A lot of times it does. And I'm not sure that there's any defensive recipe for stopping Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And the Chiefs' defense is a lot better than it was last year. And it's more trustworthy than it was last year, I think. So this is a great point because I was just trying to look right now on football reference to get the exact number because I mentioned it yesterday. But the 
Uh, Kansas City defense actually was better in terms of passer rating allowed than San Francisco this year, which I don't think you would have expected because San Francisco is just such a monster defense. And, And it's funny how we play this little game, too, of like the Ravens defense is so monstrous. They were second in pass defense this year, and yet Ryan Tannehill threw the ball against them, and they got run over by... Uh, Derrick Henry and the Packers had a great defense this year in quarterback rating against, and San Francisco just ran all over them. So you know sometimes you know there's an option for good teams when the other team does something really well, like the Packers shut down passing games, but they were just able to run against them constantly. Right. So they took your weakness and tore it apart, and that would be the reason to lean 49ers is because their quarterback has now become underrated because he didn't have to pass <laughs> in the NFC. But I would like to bring this up. Real quick, that I saw a few like, man, you know, Shanahan, he could have any quarterback and make them great. Like, you know, last year happened with Nick Mullins where they lost all their games, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and they were very close to getting rid of their defensive coordinator because of it. Yeah. I is, mean, which, which is a thing that definitely exists when you have a bad offense, it makes your defense look worse mm-hmm. because they've just got to do everything what for you. What a mistake you. that would have been. It would have been terrible if they had done that. And ultimately, Nick Mullins helped them get Nick Bosa. So <laughs> thank you, Nick Mullins. I hope someone gives him a ring if he's not still the third quarterback or something. But. That's kind of the the point about Jimmy Garoppolo is, yeah, I don't know how good Garoppolo is. Here's how good. They won four games when they didn't have him, yeah. and now they won 13 and two playoff games when they did have him. He's very good at football, and he wins a lot for a reason. It's hard for me to say that Mahomes is just so much better than Garoppolo that he has no chance, but I still have to lean toward Mahomes and the Kansas City pass defense. I think in the Super Bowl, handing off 48 times and running eight is not going to happen. And the reason, in part, that they were able to run so many times is the Packers kept turning the ball over. <laughs> they, they gave him an interception. They gave him a fumble. It's, it's like the context of these things was totally forgotten in just them running all the time. But in this one, Mahomes is not going to give you those things. He's no. not going to give you a free pick. He's not going to give you a strip sack, more likely than not. And that's going to make it so I think the 49ers have to throw to win. And with the way Tyron Matthews is playing right now, they can get after the passer as well. They had a lot of sacks this year, too. They had 45 sacks. That's only, what, three less than the 49ers? Kansas City has kind of a low-key good defense. Yeah. And that's where they might not be completely, in terms of the whole roster, as strong as the 49ers. But when you are still a complete team with an all-time great quarterback, I think you win. And I think, like we discussed yesterday, having the pieces on offense that Patrick Mahomes has to throw to and hand off to, I think his pieces are a lot better than what Jimmy G has in San Francisco. Yeah, they, they've got some really dangerous players. That, like I get the um, speeds kind of equal on both sides. Each team has burner wide receivers, but it just seems the entire compilation of their weapons on in Kansas City is a lot better, or a little at least. Yeah, I think they enough. are. No, I think that's right. I think that they're better, and and they have the equal tight ends. And yeah. if the Vikings are going to take one thing away from the offenses of both of these teams, it's you could just never have enough people who are good at getting the ball and making plays. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go Kansas City. You're going Kansas City, mm-hmm. but we'll see how it goes. Either way, it's going to be really fun. I hope so. Number, How about Peter Carline just throwing cold water <laughs> on me saying, well, yeah, but we would have thought the Seattle Broncos... Super Bowl would have been good. Thanks, Peter. I guess they do that in England. (laughs) All right, uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. Thanks for listening to Purple Daily. We'll have a Super Bowl to break down on Monday. We'll see you then. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.